trust they were happy with it. Uh, but I've really been praying about what I should specifically say here. And it, it's come clearer in the last week uh, that, that, that sort of the way I'd like to approach it would be to try to get at the assumptions of the gospel instead of the teachings of the gospel. Now let me explain that to you. In other words, so often we've, we've approached the, the Word of God and it's teaching this and we can find this text to prove that. This is obviously what Jesus is teaching. And, and yet, it, it seems to me as I'm working with the Word more and more, the far more important thing is what is, is simply assumed. You know, in, in other words, in, in large part, we're getting to the whole Jewish historical tradition. What does Jesus and, and, and the early Christian milieu simply take for granted out of which they write the, these uh, uh, Gospels and out of which they write these letters. We've, we've been infected, I think, with what I think it was Michael Novak called, uh, and I, I'm sorry to use this big word right from the beginning, but what he called non-historical orthodoxy. All right, non-historical orthodoxy. In other words, we, we really have not been, been given, oftentimes, a good sense of history. And, and if, if you don't have a sense, let's say, of the historical milieu, of the environment out of which the, the scriptures are written. What is the pain and the passion and the need and, and the hope at this time out of which they're writing? You really don't understand it. You really don't. And when you lose that historical perspective and you just come on to it from on high, looking as, as we have and, and, and most churches have, for proof texts, looking for orthodoxy, looking to find a way to prove what we already believe most of the time, all I can say is you continuously distort the scriptures. And, and uh, I'm almost afraid to put this on tape, but I, and I don't mean in any way to take away the authority of the word, but I look at history, and I almost wonder if this book has not done more damage in history than it's done good, precisely because of what I just said. You know? I almost wonder if this book has not done more damage than good, because it is so constantly used and distorted because man is always looking for authority, always looking for authority to back up what he wants to think. You know, what, what in great part he's decided culturally or personally uh, uh, he needs. And the easiest way to do it is to pull this, this book out of the heavens and find a line to back it up. And we've all done it, our church included. Uh, so uh, that's what I'm referring to as, as non-historical orthodoxy. In other words, finding great authority in our life for this is absolutely true, that isn't true, whatever, because the Bible says so. Now, you've all run into to, to people who very easily and quickly can say the, the Bible says, the Bible says that, and really no one ever takes the time to really go and find out, does it say that? So we have this orthodoxy all around us, this seeking of righteousness, this seeking of authority, this seeking of some kind of ultimate truth, and yet more often than not, it seems to uh, lack a, a historical understanding of how God revealed himself. So that's what I want to begin to get into tonight so we can say, okay, what are the assumptions in the course of the next few days out of which we're operating? What is the historical milieu? Somewhat, and I'm no historian, but, but for our purposes here, I hope I can touch upon it a bit. Now, if I had to, to say, in, in the most general sense, what's happening in this book, right? What, what's going on here? We're dealing with, with approximately a little over a 2,000-year period, right? A, maybe you know, about 2,000 years before Christ of history that we're, we're dealing with, and a little short of 100 years after Christ. You know? And what's happening is that a people are becoming aware of God's presence in their lives. 
out of this, a wisdom tradition is being created. A wisdom tradition. Now, I want to center in on that for a moment because, you know, I have to say, sadly, that by and large in recent Western American Catholic experience, you and I were not trained for the most part out of a wisdom tradition. We were trained out of a religious tradition. <laughs> in other words, the church has been in the business of creating religious functionaries, all right, in seminaries and so forth. And she exposed you to the practical things that you would need to justify what we believe, again. But not really exposing us to a spirituality very often. Really exposing us to a wisdom tradition. Now this is what Jesus speaks out of. Jesus is not a religious functionary. He has no institution to please, all right? He has his Father to please. Now that's somehow at the, the core and the beginning of the Jesus experience. That, that, that he's listening to his father.